0: Hello, I'm Kurt LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. We're proud to present this series of 10 discussions with prominent British
1: Columbians in what we call the BIB Business Leadership Series, where they're going to share their views on the impact of the pandemic and how our economy can recover. Our series is sponsored by PwC and by FASCA. Their messages appear at the start and finish of our conversations, and we're brought to you by UBC Souter Executive Education. All of its programs are running online now until the end of the year, offering an opportunity to engage with
0: faculty and peers in virtual classrooms. Enjoy the conversations.
1: PwC Canada, our purpose is to build trust in society and solve important problems. What we have today is a very important problem. This pandemic affects us all globally. In BC, as the curve continues to flatten, we are settling into new ways of working and considering what business, as usual, may look like going forward. We are proud of PwC to sponsor this podcast series from Business in Vancouver to talk about what business leaders should know. Returning to the workplace isn't just about physical places. It's about finding opportunities to thrive in this new era. So let's keep the conversation going. Thanks for joining me. I'm Haley Wooden, and you're watching BIV's Business Leadership Series. In this series, we gather insight from some of the biggest names in BC business and what's been happening in our economy. And my guest today, a familiar face to many British Columbians, Chip Wilson, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and of course, the founder of lululemon athletica. Chip, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Haley.
1: So I'm curious, what were your initial impressions, reactions, responses when you first sort of learned of this threat to business from COVID-19?
0: Well, interesting. Was, um, I was in, I uh, had a board meeting in Shanghai, probably, you know, in February sometime. And as we got closer to the meeting, it got shifted from Shanghai to Hong Kong, and then it got closer again, and then we shifted it to uh, Tokyo. So we were outside, but... The The fact of the matter is, is most of China was shut down. Probably 80% of our retail stores were. Um, at the time, I kind of like, well, is this just a China only thing? Are they containing it there? You know, like it, it, we knew that it was a big, big hit on the retail sector, but we always, we, no one knew there was just, was not enough information. And um, so My concern was quite limited, you know, and of course I look back at it now and I go, oh my God, I was right there. I had all the information in the world, but there was just no thought that it was going to go global.
1: Of course, nobody knew. If we did know, we'd be in a very different position, I'm (laughs) sure. (laughs) Uh, What would you say has surprised you the most about everything we've since gone through?
0: Well, I think that it's, um, um, well, just, just how well we've worked at Zoom, like we're doing right now. And I know our office started working to Zoom about six months ago, and I just found it quite effective. And so we were really ready to go. Um, and, I, and, and so I think, you know, we're, you're probably even finding this now too, but, well, we end up with 20, just 20% of core people working in our offices now. Will we end up with a um, just meeting on Fridays, coming in, breaking up into little groups, having our keeping our culture together, having lunch together, and then going away for another week? Um, how will we react when we have new employees come in who need to get to know everyone? Can you actually get to know someone really by Zoom? Or do you need some interpersonal relationship with people in order to, you know, to, um, to engage people and have them come into the fabric of the culture in the company, um, I think the the other thing that I think is going to happen is that uh, VR e-commerce. So I can I can see where um, uh, it's just the the websites that we see now for e-commerce are going to look archaic, and I think to be able to um, Click onto a website and have maybe even a, a specific person that's got a a, a um, some kind of camera on their head and they're walking around in a store which is set up in a warehouse that's really inexpensive to do way out in the suburbs, or a VR with a um, uh, a salesperson that's a you know um, a bot of some sort will be the way of the future, and it's going to be interesting to see if like if online retailing will be what people like in stores, kind of the hunt and peck type of thing. Uh, Someone that can lead you around in the store. Oh, I like that pant. There's a bunch of things on mannequins. There's a display over here. Um, There's somebody that can show you the garment, show you what, you know, the technical parts of a garment or what you can't see about it, um, can tell you about the fit of it. I think it can be just done as well online as it can otherwise.
1: Interesting. That sounds like a fascinating future. You know, sometimes we have the technology to implement initiatives like that, but what holds us back can sometimes be uh consumer reticence to adopting a new technology. But do you think that uh, one outcome of this pandemic is that consumers understand that, yeah, this might be a reality. We might not be able to physically go to stores. Has it accelerated some of the trends you're seeing?
0: Well, is it, yeah, I mean, of course, everything's getting a seller, whatever, what would happen in 10 years is happening right now, for sure. Um, um, How's I going to say that, you know, I think people are going to work from home, obviously a lot. I mean, as we were just saying, I think the interesting thing is, is that well, the whole, not the whole world, but 60% of us end up in the gig economy. Because if we're working from home and we don't feel we need the office anymore and we need like a financial spreadsheet done, we don't necessarily need somebody in our company to do it. And it's already happening where maybe you'll send a question to somebody in India overnight. And then when you come get up in the morning, the answer will all be there. And you didn't even have to wait another extra day. And so, you know, will um, will our, 60% of our employees be like Uber or Lyft or, you know, um, you know, you know, the shared economy, so to speak. And what will that mean to the workforce will become global um, prices for salaries will probably come down, but that'll be okay. Cause everything's going to cost a lot less too.
1: Mm-hmm. I know here in BC, our economy and our health situation has certainly been better than some jurisdictions. How do you think BC is going to be able to adapt to what's to come?
0: Well, I don't. I think the big issue may be more in our the type of government we have and where we are right now. Um, we've got a split government; it's very tenuous. Um, moving into another election. And and probably the you know the DNA of the NDP is more to take care of um, will be more to take care of the present the few people in the present especially the disadvantaged rather than thinking what's best for the long run especially if if they have to win an election so I think that um, I think you know usually we'd have like a lot of in this situation, as had happened in 2008, we'd have companies would come up with a lot of their, their processes would get streamlined, the way, they, um, um, uh, the way they look at their IT, the way they look at their people, everything would change and everything would be quicker and quicker and faster and faster. But the, I'm not, and I think companies that work that way, but I don't think our government is set up to work that way right now. And it's a sad thing. If we had probably a majority government in one way or another who felt like they could easily get into the next election, I think we would we would be operating a lot differently.
1: That's right. And as you point out, we have minority governments at both levels. Is it clear from your perspective what our economy needs at this point in time? If we had the right government set up, what government should be doing to support business?
0: Well, as I said, I think it it needs to be set up to support a gig economy. And, and you can see how the NDP has uh, treated uh, Lyft and Uber and, the, and that is, just doesn't work for, you know, the speed of which the world is changing. And if there's ever a time when you needed a government that was working on speed and was willing to kind of like, you know, like, go, okay, you know, where's our money best spent? Probably both on a civic area like Vancouver or in a provincial, we're just not set up for that. Um, um let's see i was going to say something you know i think that um you know whole sectors are going to be disrupted in this like um and i think there's going to be massive bankruptcies you know i think what the government doesn't realize right now is that it actually costs more for retail to open up partway than it does to keep closed down and so one they had been shut down for a couple of months and now they're everyone's trying to slowly open up but i think they're going to quickly realize that costs too much so if uh, if we continue on the social distancing for another couple of months we're going to have i suspect we're going to have 20 percent empty retail stores by november this year and uh, i think that's um, um i don't think we're going to have a second wave because i think you know you can see the vaccine coming through I think a good government would probably focus their money more on taking care of packed nursing homes, probably people that are overweight, people with diabetes, some people that are smoking. And then you got to ask yourself, you know, like, yes, I think the government should take care of the elderly, but should they take care of people that haven't taken care of their health? You know, nature doesn't have any political correctness. And, um, you know, I don't think we can legislate it
1: hmm The prediction, 20% of retail locations empty by November. That's huge. Um, what pops to mind is first what goes into those empty spaces, but maybe I'll frame the question to you in this way. What's the future like for bricks and mortar retail? Does that remain a viable option for businesses?
0: Well, a lot of landlords will probably get smart and try to renegotiate and probably move to percentage rent as probably the rental as probably the, uh, the retailers want to do that too. There's got to, for the first time, the power is going to shift to the retailer. So there's going to be a, a, a resetting, but usually those things take a lot longer and the retail and landlords, there's going to be those landlords that just don't want to, um, they can't really afford to have a drop in rent. And because if they have a drop in rent, then they go bankrupt, so they're going to hold on to it. So that's why you end up with the 20%. I think what's going to happen is, because you know, everything's moving to e-commerce, of course, we're going to move from about maybe 14 or 15%, or in the case of someone like Lou Lemon or Arcterics or, you know, the athletic companies that are upwards somewhere to 25 to 30%, I think everything's going to move to 50%. But then the rents are going to become so inexpensive that I think it's going to make sense in two years from now where retailers are going to go, look at this is, an, this is a great resource at the right price and they're going to move back in. But probably half their store will be set up only to sell e-commerce goods and the other half will be set up to sell goods that are for available right then and there.
1: Interesting. More broadly, where do you think we might see some good opportunities for business in the months or years ahead?
0: where what do i think opportunities (laughs) well i think i just i was probably just saying it um i think that the i think we're going to have like i was saying in november we're going to have all these vacancies but i think people will there's going to be a group of people that'll go bankrupt in september and then there'll be another group that'll try to hold on through christmas and either they'll go through Christmas and then try, because thirty percent of retail sales happen at Christmas, and then January first, you're going to see, you know, the people survive or not. I think the opportunities are really going to be, and we'll just take apparel for instance. There's, you can see, um, the top layer of retailers going bankrupt, and they're not necessarily brands except for J Crew, but they're um, uh, the big department stores are all are all going bankrupt. And then I think so they're weak, they had a weak balance sheet. And then you have maybe great, great brands that are down at the bottom that are just new or, or struggling or kind of, you know, that's, they're young, but they don't have enough muscle to kind of get through the next stage. So I think what we're going to see is an era of mergers and acquisitions, if not bankruptcies, where maybe 10 apparel brands will get together and form one company and then have one back end of HR, finance, logistics. And I only say that about apparel because I think that that will happen in many, many different sectors. Um, it's just the natural, the natural selection.
1: Uh, as a business leader, are there any really significant lessons you're taking away from everything we've just gone through this really unprecedented time?
0: Well, everyone would always have said to keep you know 20 percent of your money in cash all the time i mean it's it's the history has shown that every eight years there's a crash of some sort this time it went for 14 years but i think that uh, what's what's occurring now is we're in the middle of the third revolution there was the agricultural and then the industrial revolution we're in a digital revolution so much money is getting made you know in the marketplace that um what what actually occurred in the stock market is what I predicted, and it happened in 2007, too. There, there's information is so quick and so fast and it's so available that the stock market drops, but then it bounces right back up really quickly. So we end up with a V, which is exactly what has happened. Um, so um, I can see where it would be smart, probably for me, or that now that I'm thinking about it, to probably put 2% of my money in cash every year and increase that because probably the odds are in eight years, something else will happen that we can't foresee. But I really get from talking to, uh, you know, some good friends that the idea is not to have it in cash, but have it in EFTs and gold in Switzerland, outside of the economic uh, realm of the United States or Canada where it's, where it's safer. So I think that's, that's what I'll be doing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I appreciate that insight, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Chip, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, Haley. Bye bye.
1: That's Chip Wilson, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and of course, the founder of Lululemon. I'm Haley Wooden, and you've been watching BIV's business leadership series. There are 10 parts to this series where we interview prominent British Columbian business leaders and get their insights on what's been happening to BC's economy and in their broader respective sectors. Tune in to BIV.com, where you can find all of those videos in our series as we roll them out over the next couple of weeks. Thank you everyone for attending today's very interesting session. I'm Will Westring, managing partner of Faskin's BC region, which includes our downtown Vancouver and Surrey locations. Faskin is a Canadian-based international law firm with offices across Canada in London, England, Johannesburg, South Africa, and Beijing, China. We are BC's largest law firm and have been serving this province's business community for over 130 years. At Fascan, we provide a full range of legal services, including assisting clients in relaunching their operations and implementing COVID-19 business recovery efforts. Please call us or visit our website for information on all the
0: services we provide, including our COVID-19 Knowledge Centre. We really are in this together. Thank you.